Our scripture reading is from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be, to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God and they abide in God. So we have known and believe the love that God has for us. God is love and those who abide in love abide in God and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness on the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this, those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. Let us pray together. King of glory, King of peace, in love you have made us, redeemed us in Christ, and in love you sustain us by your Spirit. And in love you call us to love you and love one another. Pray that you would help us as we reflect upon this passage where love is so prominent that you would instill in us that ability and desire to love you and to love others and to receive anew the love that you have for us. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Life with God is personal. We walk with God in a personal relationship and when we enter that personal relationship with God we are automatically enveloped in a web of relationships with all of those who call on the name of Jesus and we are called to love not only those within our church family but those outside of it to know and to love God is to be in relationship with God and others our passage today moves back and forth between love for others, love for God, all of it originating and flowing from God's love for us. Which is to say it's all connected. Let us love one another, verse 7 says, because love is from God. And if we don't love one another, verse 8 says, we really don't know God because God is love. You can't know God without loving the people around you. Then verses 9 and 10 speak of God's love revealed to us through the life, death, resurrection of Jesus, sent to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. God loves us enough to die for us, and we love God in return. 
Which then leads us back to loving people. You see the rhythm, the movement of the passage. Verse 11. Since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to use the Trinitarian language of the New Testament, reveals God's nature to us as a nature of self-giving, eternal love. God exists as a relationship of eternal love between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And out of this love, which cannot be fully contained, it overflows and the worlds were made and you and I were made and creation comes into being. Life exists because of this overflow of love within the very heart and nature of God. So it's no surprise then that the Scriptures in general, the New Testament in particular, and specifically this passage from 1 John speaks over and over and over of the love of God and the way we are to respond with love for God and for one another, which leads us into a life of personal relationships. Life is personal. And it's difficult for us to live into this personal nature of created life because we live in an impersonal world. There's almost this uh, hard-to-resist, almost inevitable, inevitable pull in the world toward the impersonal. So often we relate with others for what we can receive from them. And they relate with us for what they can receive from us. And as long as everybody gets what they want, everybody gets what they need, then it seems like it works. But when we do that, the personal nature, the relational nature of life leaks out. Uh, Even in in church, there's such a temptation to try to recruit people to our church or to our program or to our cause. It's well-meaning. We mean the best by that, but it becomes impersonal when we do so. Following Jesus puts us on a lifelong journey of resisting the pull to the impersonal and engaging, moving towards that personal longing, intimate relationship with God and with one another and with our neighbors captured in this passage by the word love. Eugene Peterson puts it this way. When any one of us quits being personally present, when any one of us quits being personally present to our child, our spouse, our friend, life leaks out. A failure to be hospitable to a stranger blocks life. A withdrawal of attention from a conversation breaks the flow of life. Habitual indifference to the glory of a dogwood in blossom disrupts intricate underlying creation congruities that deepen participation in glory, living in and to the glory of God. When the impersonal crowds out the personal, whether in us or around us, followers of Jesus notice. And we resist this move away from the personal toward the impersonal. We resist it. And the rest of our passage gives us a base from which to make that struggle. Verse 13 says, By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. We talked about this uh, last month in, uh, in, in a Wednesday night Bible study. 
when we trust Jesus, when we believe in Him, when we follow Him in baptism, when we seek to live as He calls us to live, God sends the Holy Spirit to live into our heart, live in our hearts, to dwell within us. The, the presence of God is literally, we believe. We can't map it out, we can't diagram it, we can't x-ray it, but, but God, we believe, is present in us, located in us, through the indwelling Holy Spirit. And so, that, it, it's hard to be more personal than that when someone else actually lives inside of you. Through the Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son dwell within us. Through the Holy Spirit, there is a divine conversation between the Father in heaven and the Son who sits at the right hand of the Father, the Spirit living within us, communicating to God our heart's cries, according to Romans 8, Romans chapter 8 personal nature, personal relationship with God, God living within us. But not just within us as individuals, the us in this verse also includes the congregation. The Holy Spirit dwells within us as a congregation and amongst all congregations. It's a beautiful, powerful thing. Calling from us awe and wonder and worship. But when we move away from awe and wonder over the truth that the Spirit lives within our hearts as believers and within our congregation, we are moving away from the personal and more toward the impersonal. It's when we have that sense of awe and wonder that the God of the universe, the one who made you and me, dwells within us by the Holy Spirit, that we are present to the Lord, the one who personally loves us and dwells within us. Uh, summer, summertime is almost here. I'm still expecting a snow or two before we're done. Summertime is almost here. And, and in summertime, one of the favorite activities, young and old, is to get into the water, to get in the pool if we have access to a pool. There's nothing better to be reminded, in my opinion, of a sense of awe and wonder than to watch little children in the pool who are just learning how to swim. Once they get past the fear of water, some have that fear. Once they're past that, think of the little boy, the little girl, going underneath the water and then bursting up into the surface with eyes this big, a smile lighting up their face, joy unimaginable, and then diving under to do it again and coming right back up with the biggest smile and the biggest joy, it's a beautiful thing. When do we stop? At what age do we stop doing that? It's a beautiful thing. It's the kind of wonder not necessarily literally expressed on our faces, but the kind of wonder that the personal nature of God ought to invoke within us. The one who made us, the one who died for us, the one who loves us personally present in us and in our congregation through the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God. We know we've drifted toward the impersonal when we take for granted and fail to marvel and be amazed by the fact that the Holy Spirit lives within us. 
And then we receive, accept, and embrace God's personal presence through a personal response of faith. Verse 15 says, God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and they abide in Him. God will not overpower us. The Holy Spirit will not force us into this personal relationship. We embrace Jesus by faith, the one who lived and died and was raised for us. It's not an impersonal acceptance of information about Jesus. It's not an impersonal feeling that Jesus was a wise teacher. It would be wise for us to follow his teachings. It is a personal diving into relationship with Jesus, walking with him day by day, learning from him, becoming more like him as he lives in us through God's Spirit. And we make a personal response to Jesus because we know how much God loves us. The first part of verse 16 says, So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. So we have known and we believe the love God has for us. This knowledge leads not just to trust, but also to living and moving and having our being in God's love. The rest of verse 16 says, God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. When we live in God, we live in love. Every aspect of who we are enveloped in God's love. What defines us is not what we look like, not what we do, or what other people think of us. What defines us is that God loves us. Define yourself, we are invited, as someone radically loved by God, who in Christ lives within you. And because He lives within you, you abide in love. It's not a God loves us because He has to kind of love. It's personal. Deeply personal. God loves you. Me. And all people. It's a couple of weeks away from Mother's Day. Um, let's think about moms. Let's think about little girl, little boy. Following mom around. Watching what mom does. Soaking in mom's love. Craving mom's attention as she offers that love. Settling into mom's lap and soaking it in. Now I know there's other elements of this relationship. There's, uh, there's a little child screaming and crying at all times of the night. That's, that's a part of it. But there is something amazing about a mother's love for her child. And so it is with God. Something amazing about living in, soaking in, savoring, being around, curling up in the lap of God, so to speak. That points to the personal nature of our existence personally loved by God, living in God's love, sharing that love with others. Trust is like that. Trust in the deep love that God has for us. And the good news is, in the midst of our sins and our failures and the ways in which we fall short, we can embrace God's love like that. Verses 17 and 18 assure us of God's grace. We don't have to be afraid of the judgment of the Lord because our sins have been forgiven. 
Jesus took our sins upon Himself on the cross. He bore our sins to the grave and He left them there. We don't have to be afraid. We can be like the child rushing to her, her mother. We can live in the love of God who forgives us and who walks with us. But then at the end of the passage, we're, we're back to love for one another. It goes like that. Love one another for love is from God. God loves you. Here's how it's shown in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. Love one another. You don't have to fear judgment. Jesus has forgiven you. Love one another. Kind of repetitive, isn't it? But maybe it's repetitive because we need to hear it over and over and over again. Verses 20 and 21. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him, him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. Personal relationship with God, John is telling, is not really possible without personal relationships with others. Loving God is not truly possible without also loving sisters, brothers, neighbors. There is no separation of the two. We cannot do one without the other. Our response to God's personal love for us involves personal love for God and for our fellow human beings. Story comes out of Baltimore, inner city Baltimore. It's an amazing story because it, it's uh, counter to everything you think about, everything we think about football and football players and football coaches. I'm told that there is a high school in inner city Baltimore where the football coaches say to the players, what is your job? Excuse me, what is our job? The coaches say to the players, what is our job? And the players respond back, to love us. Imagine that. And then the coaches say to the players, what is your job? To love one another. To love one another. Job of the coaches, to love the players. Job of the players, to love the coaches. They didn't talk about loving their opponents, but to love each other. <laughs> What's our job? To love one another. One of the parents toward the end of the season was asking one of the coaches, how's it going this season? How's it going with the team? And the coach says, too early to tell. I'll let you know in about 10 years. He wasn't thinking about wins and losses. He was thinking about the development of character, the development of these students' ability to love. Back and forth, throughout the passage. Love for God, love for people, go together. Flowing from God's love for us. Personal relationship with God, with each other. Expressed in love. God is deeply, deeply, personally interested in you. God is endlessly fascinated with you. Loves you enough to die for you lives inside of you if you have embraced Jesus, lives inside of you through the Holy Spirit. Can't get more personal than that. And out of this personal love that God has for you, you and I, we are called to respond in personal faith and love for God and love for one another in this room and love for our world. How personal 
is your life right now? Or have you, are you drifting toward the impersonal? How personal are you in your love for the people around you? Your sisters and brothers in this place, your neighbors? For God. Sisters and brothers, let's live in God's love, personally responding to the one who deeply, personally loves us and calls us to live that love for others. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray together.